Let's go to Matthew chapter 27, Matthew 27, 27 verse 62. On the next day which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away. And say to the people that he has risen from the dead. So this last deception will be first, worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard, go your way, make it secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee, There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring the disciples' word. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather with our friends and family today. We pray today that you would open our hearts, that we would hear what you have to hear, uh, what you would have to say to us today. We just pray that uh, your word would go forth in power and boldness. I pray that our lives will be touched and changed, and if someone here don't know you as their Savior and Lord, we just pray that today would be the greatest day that they've ever experienced, that they may receive you as Lord and Savior. And the church shouted a great big amen. What does Easter mean to you? To some people, Easter means a day off. To some people, Easter means a a paid holiday. To others, Easter means good food. Of course, to some people, it means Easter bunnies and Easter baskets, Easter lilies, new clothes. But to some people, Easter means absolutely nothing. It means nothing to them. There are millions of people today that's going about their life as if it's just a normal, regular day. They haven't stopped to think about the importance of today. They haven't stopped to commemorate the importance of today. Today is just a normal day to them. It doesn't hold any weight to them. They haven't stopped to reflect upon the Easter story. But my friends today, if you are a Christian, then Easter means everything to you. If you are a Christian, Easter means everything to you. It's more than just a paid holiday. It's more than just sleeping in. It's more than just being with family and friends. It's more than having dinner with family and friends. It's so much more than that. If you are a Christian, Easter means everything. 
it means that a Jewish man by the name of Jesus of Nazareth died, was buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days later he was resurrected by the power of God. Easter means that there is an empty tomb in Jerusalem. It means that death and hell has been swallowed up in victory. If you are a Christian, then Easter means everything, my friends. It means that there is a Savior that's been risen back to life. It means that He is risen for our justification. It means that He is risen for our sanctification. It means that He is risen for our redemption. It means that He is risen to break the power of sin off of our life. It means that He is risen to give us a better day. If you are a Christian today, Easter means everything. It means that we have a living Savior to save us. It means that we have a living Savior in the time of sorrow. It means that we have a Savior to answer us and to answer when we pray. It means that we have a living Savior to take us to heaven when we die. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are a Christian, Easter means everything. It's more than just a meal. It's more than just family time. It's, it's more than just a paid holiday. It's more than just sleeping in. It means that Jesus, who was dead, is now alive and well. And not only are we celebrating, but the Christians around the world is making some noise this weekend because we still believe that the gospel account is still very true. When I was raised in church, we used to sing that old song called this, Rejoice, Rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King. The hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find, none other is so loving, so good, and so kind. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. Oh, my friends, my friends, the birds are singing outside. It's Easter. And that means as believers, we should rejoice. We should rejoice that He has defeated the grave. Rejoice that He's conquered death, hell, and the grave. Rejoice that He's broken the power of sin. Rejoice that He's bruised the head of the serpent. Rejoice that He's delivered us from the evil one. Rejoice that He's crushed the power of sin and shame and freed us unto a new day and new life. This is Easter, a day of celebration. A day where we commemorate that the dead body of Jesus is no longer in a grave, but it is resurrected in power and in life. This is Easter. Satan is defeated. The kingdom of God is advancing. God is glorified and the devil is horrified. This is Easter. Hallelujah. If you are a Christian today, Easter means 
everything. It means everything if you are a Christian. The gods of India is dead. The Egyptian gods of former days are dead. The pagan gods of the Middle East are dead. The pagan gods of the Israelites and the Canaanites and the Philistines, they're all dead. But this morning, we stand in this sanctuary like others are standing in theirs. There are Christians around the world meeting in buildings like this, meeting in underground churches in secret, meeting in storefront churches. There are those who are meeting in grand cathedrals, There are those who worship differently than we do. But there is one thing that's common among all of us, 2.3 billion billion of us. There's something that's in common. There is something that's in common among us all. In every continent around the world, no matter what language you speak, no matter how you worship, no matter what preacher you may have, we have this one thing in common. Every one of us believes this. Whether you are Jewish or whether you are Catholic, whether you are Greek Orthodox, whether you are Protestant, whether you're Methodist, whether you're Baptist, whether you're Pentecostal, whether you're Presbyterian, whether you're Nazarene, whether you're Brethren, come on somebody, we all believe this one thing. We believe that there was a man named Jesus who was crucified on a Roman cross, put in a borrowed tomb, but the power of Almighty God raised him from the dead and he is alive and well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is alive and well. I'm reminded of the story of those chief priests and scribes and Pharisees, those religious leaders of the New Testament. That was the arch enemy of Jesus. After Jesus was taken down from the cross and Joseph of Arimathea took a cloth and wrapped his body, Joseph and Nicodemus wrapped his body, put it in a tomb, They put a stone over it and walked away. Those chief priests and scribes who were the arch enemy of Jesus went to Pilate and said to Pilate, we are afraid that his disciples will come at night and steal his body. Now, my friends, that sounds preposterous to even think that. The disciples were not at the crucifixion, only one of them. The rest of them was locked behind closed doors and they were afraid of Rome. Those disciples didn't have enough guts, nor did they have energy to roll away a stone and steal the body of Jesus. But those religious leaders, after Jesus died, wanted to make sure that the rumor of his resurrection just stays a rumor. They wanted to make sure that his disciples did not start a rumor that Jesus is alive. So those religious leaders told Pilate, let us secure the stone. If you would put your authority on it and secure it, then we know that the disciples would not steal his body. So you know what Pilate did? Pilate put a stone in front of Jesus' grave. He put a seal on his grave, a Roman seal, and then he put soldiers. He put a stone, he put a seal, 
and he put soldiers, a stone, a seal, and soldiers. Those religious leaders were so full of anxiety, they were afraid that the disciples would steal his body, that Pilate told the religious leaders, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to put a stone in front of his body, in front of the grave. I'm going to put a Roman seal on the stone with my authority, and then we're going to man it with soldiers. So we're going to make sure that nobody is going to steal his body. We're going to put to death this deceiver who claims that on the third day he would be resurrected. Pilate, in all of his authority, wanted to put to death the rumor that Jesus would be resurrected on the third day. So Pilate, in all of his glory, Pilate, in all of his splendor, Pilate, in all of his authority, put a stone, sealed the stone, put soldiers, and he wanted to make sure that if we can just make it to Monday morning, we got it covered. Jesus said three days, and if we can just cover it to Monday, we're good. We're good. But I want to stop here and preach a little bit that there is an authority greater than Pilate. Pilate put his authority on the tomb and sealed it with his authority. But let me remind you that there is a greater authority than Pilate, and that is God. And when God gets ready to do what God wants to do, a stone can't stop him, a seal can't stop him, and ain't no soldiers going to stop him. Can I hear an amen? And that's what the religious leaders didn't count on. They didn't realize that Jesus' Father had all power. They didn't realize that Jesus was a man of his word. If Jesus said that he was going to rise after three days, you can bank on it that he's going to fulfill his word. And so therefore, there is a greater power than Pilate. You know, the, the, the Greek word for resurrection actually means to be knocked down, to be picked up. And isn't that what happened to Jesus? Oh, Jesus was knocked down for a few days, but Jesus got back up on the third day. That's a reminder to you and I that no matter how bad you may be knocked down, there's always hope that you can get back up again. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how and what the enemy may do. If you are knocked down, there is a possibility you can get back up again. Is there anybody in the building that can wave your hand and say, Preacher, I've been knocked down by sorrow. I've been knocked down by pain. I've been knocked down by poverty. I've been knocked down by regret. But I'm in the house of God because His Spirit caused me to get up and I have resurrected power this morning. Hallelujah. You see, those religious leaders went to Pilate said, Pilate, we just got to make it to Monday. We don't want the disciples to start a rumor that he's alive. So, so just put a stone there 
put a seal there. Put put some soldiers there. But they forgot something. Get this. Stone, seal, soldiers. Let's make sure nobody takes his body. Put a stone there. Seal it with Roman authority. Use military might through soldiers. Let's protect the dead body because if we can make it to Monday, those crazy disciples that says he's risen, we can take him to the graveyard and say, nope, here's his body. Stone, seal, soldiers, but they forgot about Sunday. And no matter what the enemy may do, no matter if you've got a stone, no matter if you've got an obstacle in front of you, no matter if you feel restrained by the seals and bondages of life, no matter who in your life is restraining you, I'm telling you, the devil forgot that there is a Sunday that's a coming. There's a Sunday that's a coming. They, they, they wanted... You know what those religious leaders wanted? They wanted possession of his body. They wanted to maintain possession of his body. Why did they want his body? They wanted his body to prove that Jesus is a deceiver. They wanted his body to prove that Jesus is a heretic. They wanted his body to prove that Jesus is a liar. If we can just stone it, seal it, have soldiers there to Monday, keep the disciples away from his body, we can tell Rome and Jerusalem, this man is a fraud. But can I just say this out of respect? Do you know that we live in a a high technology advanced world? And there's some smart people in the world. And if you want something done, it's possible we can get it done, especially in 2019. And we've had the capacity to find ancient tombs from the Egyptian gods in Egypt. We've even found ancient cities buried beneath layers of dirt. We've even found the lost city of Troy which confirms Greek mythology. We have found the Dead Sea Scrolls, which verifies the writings of the the Old Testament. We have even found the bones of dinosaurs, which gives us the indication that there were some sort of creatures roaming the earth. We have even found the Titanic that has sunk to the ocean floor. We found that. They've even found Noah's Ark, pieces of Noah's Ark. We have found Golgotha. We have have found the Garden of Gethsemane. We have found churches in the 4th century. And yet, in 2019, nobody has ever found the dead body of Jesus. Not only today, but even times past. Nobody has found the dead body body of Jesus. Hallelujah. You know know the party in hell that would go on? 
They would be a party in hell if we could find the remains of Jesus Christ. But do you know, in 2019 and previous years before us, nobody has found the remains of Jesus. Nobody has found the bones of Jesus. And let me ask you a question. Why is it that nobody has found the dead body of Jesus? Why is it that nobody could find his dead body? Well, let me just be really intellectual with you. The reason that we can't find the dead body of Jesus is because there is no dead body of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? There is no dead body of Jesus. It doesn't matter if you put a seal in front of it. God will rip the seal off. It doesn't matter if you put a stone in front of him. God will roll away the stone. It doesn't matter if you put soldiers there to restrict him. God will roll the soldiers away. I don't care what Pilate said. I don't care what the seal says. I don't care who the soldiers are. His resurrected power can raise you up even after you've been dead for three days. Hallelujah! God is still moving stones. God is still rolling away soldiers. He's still doing miracles. Let me tell you something. Not only did they want the possession of the body of Jesus, but they wanted, number two, they wanted to stop the proclamation of that He's risen. They wanted to stop this foolish talking that Jesus is alive. They wanted to stop it. And it's interesting that when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, in some of the accounts, the angel said to those women, go and tell Peter and the disciples that he is risen. And they rushed out from the, temp the, the tomb and they proclaimed that Jesus is risen. It's interesting that the resurrection story teaches us this, that what Jesus says, Jesus actually does. If Jesus said, if you destroy my temple and in three days I will raise it up again, you could take it to the bank that he's going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. But Pilate, on the other hand, Pilate put a seal, a stone, and soldiers, and his authority had none effect. But Jesus just speaks a word and somebody gets healed. The Easter story tells us that Pilate's word has no authority and God's word will always trump what Pilate has to say. And it doesn't matter what the devil says. It doesn't matter what the naysayers say. If God said it, you can take it to the bank. He's going to fulfill exactly what he said he's going to do. Hallelujah! I said hallelujah. In closing, those early Christians referred to Jesus as Lord. They referred to Jesus as the Son of God. They referred to Jesus as Redeemer. But they were in rebellion against Caesar. You know, in Bible days, God's people lived under 
Roman oppression. And so God's people were required to refer to the emperor as Lord. Some of them referred to him as the Son of God. Some of them even worshipped the emperor. But the early Christians, when they came together and they begin to worship and reflect on the life of Jesus, they referred to Jesus as Lord and Son of God. The very titles that was designated for Caesar is now given to Jesus. Why did they do that? Because Caesar never healed anybody. Caesar never raised the dead. Caesar never brought sight to a blind man. Caesar has never caused a lame man to get up and walk and take his bed. Caesar has never called a dead man that's been dead for four days out of the grave. Caesar has never done that. But the early Christians understood something. That if you are supposed to call Caesar Lord and he's never healed anybody, then certainly Jesus is greater than Caesar. Certainly Jesus deserves the name Lord. Certainly Jesus deserves the name Son of God because nobody can do it like Jesus can. Jesus can heal the sick. Jesus can raise the dead. Jesus can perform the miraculous, not Caesar. It's no wonder at the crucifixion the centurion who took the spear and stabbed Jesus in the side and blood and water flowed. That man referred to Jesus as the Son of God. He is a Roman referring to Jesus as the Son of God. That title was only to be given to Caesar and yet at that moment that man recognized that this man died on the cross. There is something special about this man. There is something different about this man. And he made a decision that day that my allegiance is not to Rome. My allegiance is not to Caesar. My allegiance is to this man on the cross. They wanted his body because they wanted to tell the world that Jesus was a deceiver. They wanted to stop the proclamation and the preaching that he's risen. They wanted to snuff it out. They wanted to tell the world it's not true. But if Pilate could come if Pilate could be raised from the dead and those religious leaders could be raised from the dead and we can bring him to the world, they would be amazed that the Roman execution symbol is now the biggest religion in the world. It's the symbol of the biggest religion of the world. They thought they were snuffing out this Jesus man. They wanted to they wanted to find a dead body. They wanted to stop this preaching. But they failed to realize you can't stop truth. We've been here for over 2,000 years and it doesn't look like we're going anywhere. There's churches being built and missionaries being sent. It looks like we're doing a good job. We're not dead. We're alive. Well, this, this, Jesus this Jesus that they tried to discredit. 
This Jesus that they tried to lie about is actually the Lord and the King of us, of the universe. He is the greatest man in history. Jesus. Jesus. A Jewish man. A 33-year-old single Jewish man with no degree, no church, a few followers. He had no servants. They called him master. He had no degree. And they called him teacher. He had no medicine. And they called him the healer. He had no army. And yet, kings of the world feared him. He had no military victory. And yet, he has conquered the world. He committed no crime. And yet, they crucified him. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, he kicked the stone out, singing, there ain't no grave going to hold my body down. He lives forevermore. See, that's why the writers, when they wrote the Bible, they were, they were astonished about this man. Tried to figure this man out. I mean, you have the writers of the New Testament, and every time the writers of the New Testament would write, they would, they would see Jesus in the pages of the Bible. Because Jesus is truth. Matthew, when he begins to write, he said Jesus is called the Messiah. Mark said Jesus is the wonder worker. Luke said he's the son of man. John said he's the son of God. Acts said he's the Holy Ghost. Romans says he's the justifier. First and second Corinthians said he is the sanctifier. Galatians says he's the redeemer of the curse of the law. Ephesians says he is Christ of unsearchable riches. Philippians says he is the God who supplies all of our needs. Colossians says he's the fullness of the Godhead. First and second Thessalonians says he is the soon coming king. First and second Timothy says he is the mediator between God and man. Titus says he is the faithful pastor. Philippians says he is the blood of the everlasting covenant. James says he is the great physician. First and second Peter says he's the great shepherd. First and second John says he is love. Jude says he is the Lord coming with 10,000 of his saints. And the book of Revelation says he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Woo! Is there somebody that can wave your hand and say, I still believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah.